2: Rush into Chemist Warehouse for half-price vitamins and cosmetics. Season and Chemist Warehouse.
1: This is the House of Aths. It most certainly is right around Australia. Hello to you, SEN Network. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. What a week. What a huge week in the world of athletics. A very special guest, Sinead Diver, to join us in around 15 minutes' time as she... Continues to climb up the marathon standings and heads towards Paris. She was in Sydney a couple of weeks ago in the very hot Sydney Marathon. So we'll get to her very shortly. A lot to get into. Johnny Steph in the house. Hello, buddy.
0: Yes, sir. Hey, Cameron. Lovely to see you again this week. You're looking quite dapper today, mate. Hair all ditch, polo shirt on. Grand final week, man. Grand final week. What brand is that, man? Is there a shout-out? Is, there, is there, Are you dressed by anybody? American Eagle today.
1: On? Big shout-out to okay. the crew at Maya, who uh, who do look after me with a number of brands. So thank you to them. <laughs> uh, <it> <laughs> what do you, I, see, oh, I see you've got your Puma T-shirt on again, which makes me think yeah. you're going to go nuts about shoes. Yeah.
0: Excuse my uh, pectoral muscles, stretching out Jeez, that Puma look, logo. But no, yes, the fit. good friends at Puma Be supporting the staff. For a number of years now and uh, a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to the world of apparel and shoes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. I I want you to hold that thought. I want you to hold that thought, but I want to start with this because it is an interesting time where the season is done, right? Season is done, but there is an Olympics. The silly season. Which is nine months away. So I just want you to talk us through how it looks for the best athletes in the world coming off a long, grueling season. Some uh, Australians, of course, traveling in a huge amount of kilometers. Talk to me what the mindset is in an athlete nine ten months out from the Olympics, but knowing that you've got to find the right balance.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one, Cam. It's 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 a little bit like the transfer window in EPL football, or uh, or and the same for AFL and NRL, and it's where it's where you sort of see athletes, you know, either get desperate. And start making really big coaching changes, which I'm mm. I'm never a fan of because I believe you need a good couple of years under a coaching program in order to get the best out of out of or out of that program or that coach. Um, or you buckle down, you get back in the lab. You only take a couple of weeks off, and um, and and you you don't change nothing, right? Because everything's been has gone great from world championships, and you start making little tweaks. Uh, and then you have the athletes that take a long period of time off uh, because they know they need they need the rest for their body. They've got injury problems. They've got things they need to get sorted out. Um, they sort of put aside their domestic season and they put all their eggs into getting ready for the Olympic Games. And um, you know this is the time really for a lot of athletes to do a lot of things they can't do in the season. We've seen Noah Lyles go to Milan do the do the catwalk. The fashion, uh, Mm. fashion week in Milan. Um, We saw Alicia Schmidt from Germany did the same Milan fashion walk, uh, catwalk. Sorry, at the fashion week there. Um, And then also you see a lot of, um, you see a lot of athletes. Uh, take a take a well-deserved break mate you know you get to see another side of the athletes if you follow them on social media um you get to see them spend time with their family and friends And a lot of them are going you know going to your mykonos going to your Ibethas, and taking time off but you know the, the 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 two big things that really came out for me this weekend was and, and it was a bit of a shock for me was hearing that fred curly yeah has made a coaching swap to quincy watts the great quincy watts a uh, 19 92 400 meter olympic 400 meter champion and um uh Ran Olympic record that that day in forty three sixty, and, and it was an idol. I, uh, it was an idol of mine. I, somebody that I looked up to uh, when I was running that I tried to mimic as a four hundred meter runner. I was coached by my coach as well, um, and I think is a great coach. Co- former coach of Ma- uh, Michael Norman, who was the four hundred meter champion last year at World Championships, um, and I think he's a great coach. And I think this makes me question whether Fred is gonna go back going to go jump back, for Four hundred, Cam. You know, like I really think because the problem was Cam that. When Michael Norman ran his quickest as 400s, he also ran blistering hundreds. Yeah. And I wonder if Fred has got the mindset where he's like, look, I'm going to go back, train with Quincy. He's obviously got a remedy where I can run a fast 400 as well as run a fast 100. And it gives me a bigger bandwidth to be able to choose the event I want to run right before the Olympic Games, or before Olympic trials. And I think that's probably his theory. It was what, That is what's led him to go to Quincy. And I do think the style of runner Fred is Quincy will be a great fit for him. I'm just a bit worried in the time that he has in order to get used to the coaching program that Quincy has to deliver so for him. Just talk and us through
1: this quickly, Johnny. Like, Is this something that would happen on a whim? Would they be discussing it over the course of the season? Because it is a weird timing, right? Mm-hmm. I understand yeah. he didn't have the year and the results probably mm-hmm. in his own mind that he felt he should have had, considering <laughs> there was a great deal of hype, understandably, about him leading in. Keeping in mind that I said he couldn't win the World 100-Metre Championship and, unfortunately, for Fred Curley, I was correct. But... Like, this is this is a big change. He's got he's got ten months to Paris.
0: I'm gonna say this, and this is gonna be very controversial. This is something I spoke about when I was an athlete. And my great friends, Athletics Australia, are gonna be spitting at you, boy. Here we go. But but I definitely believe in this. And and this it's actually it's actually kudos to all our Australian athletes. When I train in America, it, it, I call it the Australian season curse. Anytime a great athlete in my era that I can remember. And, I, and, and I'm happy for someone to call in and, and tell me I'm wrong, but I can have a few runners that have come here that I've trained with or raced against and have run in Australia and competed early. There's You can't help when you come to our great nation and you run in our great track meets mm-hmm. that you lift and you take your body to a place it's not ready to be in, in January and February, which then makes your season very long. And I felt this when Fred came and ran that blistering 200 against Rowan Browning, the blistering 400. And I felt, wow, that's he's running very quick, very early. Can he continue this? All year? And, I, and you just saw sort of Fred look tired at World Championships. And this shows what our great Australian athletes have been doing year in, year out. We come compete in Australian season, then we go to Europe and then we try and compete with the world's best um, come August. It's a very, very long year. And I think, you know, it's a testament to our Australian athletes and what we do. And it's great because it shows the Northern Hemisphere athletes on how hard and how hard we do it to get to a championships come August. So, you know, I remember Jeremy Warren telling me when he came to race here um, in 2008, um, he, he actually said to me in the village, racing in your season messed me up. I just ran too fast, too early, and he ended up coming second or third. No, second in second two thousand eight in the four hundred meters. Um, and he was to me, I, I felt he should have won the won the won the race against La uh, LaShawn Merritt in 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 Beijing. So, um, it, it's it's just I just think with Fred, I don't think it's a bad move. I think to your question, this should have been something that would have been playing on his mind. I think, you know after this after he came to australia i reckon there would have been things that would have been happening um the minute things don't go well athletes are quite fragile and quite sensitive uh cameron when especially sprinters man like you you really want everything going for you and i I think it's 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 like any sport man people can stay in the dream um the grass is always greener at certain times cam you know like you you want to be the very best and all you're searching for thousands of a second cam. And I know it's a bit of a long winded answer, but it's really hard to actually pinpoint the feelings of what an athlete feels. But the minute they feel that the grass is a bit greener, it makes it very hard for their current structure, into believing in that program is going to work for them. And once they lose belief of that, it's very easy for another coach, another system to to creep in and take their mind on what's currently worked for them.
1: Which I totally 100% understand what you're trying to put down there. And I know how hard it is to, Explain it. There's one thing when I watch Fred Curley run that absolutely comes front of mind. Legitimately, I think he's more chance of winning a 400 meter gold at Paris than he is a 100 meter gold. Agree. Uh, so Agree. I don't. I don't. I understand anyone wants to win a 100 meter gold medal. I understand where that event sits in the psyche of all track and field and track athletes right across the world. But I, I just, I just found it interesting. He's, he's, yeah. he's a 400 meter superstar. He's a 100 meter star. I'm just. I, I'm, I yeah, think he's confused but, uh, I, about when, what he when, wants when to it, do. When,
0: when, when you say that, I reckon we should put some context around it, Cam. Mm. When you say he's more of a chance, it's a very slight chance. True. And, and I think when I chose when I chose my event, when I wanted to be 100-meter runner, everybody wants to be 100-meter yeah. runner. I, mean, I think there's distance runners that want to be 100-meter runners when you're a kid. I mean, 100 is the 100, right? Um. And then the event finds you, and I knew I was never going to be good enough to be 100 and 200. I just didn't have the genetic attributes, I believe. And the 400 is an event which gave me the best chance to be competitive in the world. So I went to the 400. Um, I, I think Fred can, he's, he's won the 100 before. Mm-hmm. He's won a world championship. World yes, champs. he can win in Paris. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about which event favors him more, I agree with you. I think it's the 400 meters. I, I still think he can win the 100. And I don't think what they did in Budapest shows that he can't win the 100. They, it's not like they, in the Usain Bolt era where you've got to run nine, sure. five. I, I do think Fred can, is capable of winning in Budapest. But if you were banking on an event at the moment, which I think he could he would have won this year if he just put in eight weeks of training, I think he could have won the 400 in Budapest.
1: <laughs> you know, I agree. You know, I agree. So,
0: I, so, yeah, I think he's a freak of nature, true. Fred Curley. I think he's, a, he's an extreme talent. And I do not want to demise on how talented he is by saying he cannot win the 100 meter. No. I do not want to do that. So that's, I'm very careful in what I'm trying to say. I, I
1: think to... he's in a clump of six who can win the 100 meter Olympic Games gold medal in the 100 yes. meters. And I yes. think he's in a clump of three who yes. can win Paris. So I, again, in Paris. So again, if you're an Lost odds in. guy then or oh, a girl, yeah. that's the way I would look at it. Again, yeah, I'm not well saying seen. that he, he on the night couldn't be the Olympic 100-meter champion. But I just think he's a better 400-meter yes. runner as well. Hey, we're going to squeeze a yes. break in. Sinead Diver is going to join us next. When it comes to marathon running, she's joining us pretty much just to confirm that Johnny Steff is going to run Berlin or Japan or Tokyo <laughs> or New York next year in the Back marathon. We do it all thanks looking. to Kevin's Warehouse. Great savings every day. Plenty more, including Sinead Diver next, right here on the House of Aths.
2: Rush into Chemist Warehouse for half-price vitamins
0: and cosmetics. Season C's apply, Chemist Warehouse. This is the House of Aths.
1: Most certainly is John Stephenson, Cam Luke. Of course, you can text us anytime you like, any question you like. 4 3398 1116. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And uh, Jay Steph in the house. Uh, Johnny, as you know, as you know, anytime yeah. we have a guest on this particular program, they're a superstar. They're a superstar. They've either done great things already and all they are about to. And our next guest, is it fair to say, is absolutely no different to that yes. particular mantra?
0: Yes, you're quite correct. Cameron, and I see you wore a collared shirt today. For all our listeners that don't get to see us on YouTube, my friend Cameron did. He's got his hair there yep. today. He's got the white polo yep. on. I know it's grand final weekend, mm-hmm. but I like to think it's all for this next guest, Sinead Diver. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good,
2: thanks, guys.
1: Well, it is actually for Sinead, but I'm going to start with this because Johnny and I, I don't know if you know Sinead, of course, you're one of the greatest marathon runners this country's ever had, but Johnny and I are actually both planning to run a marathon <laughs> next year we're going to run Tokyo George. and maybe New York so this is why we got you on not just to talk about how great you are and how Sydney was and Get all of that tips. but for you to give advice to Johnny Steph when he gets uh, rid of the uh, the uh, track spikes and does 42k's
2: uh, oh,
0: Sinead wow. let me put some context around this um, our great friend Mario Toscone, who's a big supporter of the show and, and helped found the show House of Athletics uh, he, he's he's big into his running at the moment marathon running which, I, which I'd love to connect you guys I think he'd love to hear from you and, um, and so Mario is competing in Nah, I think it's the Melbourne Marathon coming up in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the running joke now is that uh, Mario asked me to do a marathon with Can. This was weeks ago. But we all know Uncle Steph's only got a good 400 metres in him back in his heyday, <laughs> let alone a good 10 metres in now in my present life. So, but Cam's been saying that I need. But last week, a huge revelation came to the show that our good friend Mario only invited Cam hmm. to the Berlin Marathon next year and the New York Marathon and Johnny Steph didn't get a start much to my delight. So do not let him <laughs> do not let him gas you up about me running a marathon, but I'd love oh. to talk to Mario and we should get serious now, walk us through how's the year been for you? How's the body? Uh what does next year look like?
2: Um so this year is probably um I've struggled with injury a lot more than any other year. So I got my first stress fracture in January, February of this year. Um, mm. so I was off for a few months with that. And then I was just coming back from that. I was about seven weeks into training and then I got another hip injury. And then I was off for two and a half months with that. So uh, Sydney Marathon like, was always on the cards and it was kind of looking a bit unlikely at that point. But um, I cross trained like crazy the whole time um, I was injured. So once I started back running in July, I wasn't actually as unfit as I thought I would be. Uh, so then I was able to build up for Sydney again, which was great. So I got to race it. So I, I I wasn't like 100% fit, but fit enough to, you know, to win the Australian Championships and get through the race. So I was happy with that performance. And hopefully that's my injuries behind me because next year is an important year. Um, so, yeah. Just when
1: you're doing cross training or you're doing something other than the traditional marathon training of which you're accustomed to, when do you or how do you find out that you are still in shape enough to be able to run a marathon in a mm. not too distant future? Like when, you, when you're finally able to get back out running, is, is there certain KPIs you have to hit? Is it, is it time trainings? Or how does it work for you where you were like, you know what, I haven't lost as much as I thought I might have, so Sydney is still on?
2: Yeah. I mean, you can tell pretty much straight away. Um, I could tell on my easy runs that, um, I wasn't struggling that much with them. And also then once we get back to Tuesday training, we have the same kind of training, like every week, it's always eight by a K or some variation of that. So I can tell by my times for, for the splits, you know, how I'm doing or how I'm progressing. And then with the marathon training, I was still able to hit my normal pace, but just, I had to do shorter reps. so instead of doing say five by 4k like I normally would I'd do four by 4k um but I was still able to hit the same speed but just for not as long but then you know that improves each week as well uh so I knew um I could tell you yeah, from training that I hadn't lost as much fitness as as I had expected to
0: tell me some to... you know in my involvement in the sport I was pretty uh pretty lucky towards the back end of my career I got to train with a lot of distance runners um in out of the Badeau group and um you know the common, you know the common injury that you really heard from a distance runner, and not just not just limited to Nick's group, but so, you know across the globe is is stress fractures. Is is it like you know for a sprinter you hear hamstrings all the time. I feel like in mm. endurance running you hear stress fractures all the time. Is that something that you that you know it's not a matter of if but when in a distance athlete's career or is it was it purely just genetics um is it something you think about in your training each year do i avoid this happening to me do i do not so many road runs do i do more grass training do i do more softer surface is it the shoes i wear is that does it become a factor with your training
2: um so everyone is different um stress fractures would be definitely more common in endurance running i mean you're putting your body under so much stress every week like running up to 200 k's a week so mm. it's almost inevitable but not but it's, you can get um a bone density scan done to see you know if you're susceptible to them or not and i've only had one like, just got my first one this year um but my bone density i got it tested recently and it's really really good um so that's good for me um yeah. but i know a lot of other people are more prone to them so you just have to and and because of that they would do a lot less mileage probably focus on more of the quality stuff rather than high mileage
0: well, it's interesting because you know as uh, as a sprinter you know it's not a, like i said to you earlier it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when it doesn't matter how many hamstring curls no matter how yeah. many <laughs> rdls you do you're gonna tear your hammy somewhere in your career because we're, we're seeking to be the very very best in the world shanae am i correct yeah. and we're always pushing the envelope right yeah. so i'd like to think in distance training 200 kilometers a week cam is just Oh, I could like that's and, almost that's almost from city to camera, right. Kev. Think, <laughs> think of think of that. Like, and that's I, the thing,
2: like, even if it's not necessarily stress fractures, it's inevitable that you'll get injured and you have yeah. to be able to deal with that. Like, it's just mm. it's all part of it. There's yeah. no one can escape that, that, like, as an endurance athlete for sure.
1: Just for people at home listening, Sinead, just on a 200K, how does it all split up? Do you do you? Do you... When you got 200Ks in a seven-day period, I assume rest days are relatively important. How does a typical week look for you?
2: Uh, so I would run every day, um, but, like, at different intensities. So <laughs> it's mostly actually easy running, uh, which is great. But okay. then, like, Tuesday is my speed sessions. Um, Friday would be a big day for me, a marathon session. So I, I'd run up to, like, 40 45k on a friday and then sunday is the long run so in marathon training that you know we could run up to two and a half hours and then i double every day so it's it's not that hard actually to get the mileage up when you're in marathon training um but like the (laughs) double runs are just like very easy you know you go out you just do a lap of like a park lake or whatever (laughs) not that hard man you can do it stop
0: before you interject, uh, I want to say one more serious question before my man jumps in, starts ruining me. Tell me, just um, tell us your speed session for, I've always been interested, what would a marathon runner do for a speed session? And I think a lot of our listeners would love to know, especially the Melbourne Marathon coming up.
2: So when I say speed, <laughs> you'll probably laugh. Like it, it so um, it's like eight by a K or, so our, the effort distance is usually around 8K um we'd break that up into various uh you know sessions. So sometimes it's two K reps, sometimes it's five hundred meter reps, sometimes 80. it's like a lap of the tan and then four by a K. All wow. with all with like a minute in between. So you don't need to what sort of pace of are you going? Time. What
0: sort of kilometer pace are you going?
2: Um so for the eight by K I'd run around three tens.
0: You're joking.
2: And then obviously that's shorter stuff, you go a bit faster and then once it gets longer, you go a bit slower.
0: And that so. does that help you in a marathon? Where would you call upon that speed work? Because I had a, had a good chat cam to Mario yesterday, and we talked. He's getting ready for the Mel Marathon, and we talked about um, he really wants to. And 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 it'll be great for your opinion on this, know. He's talking about John. I want to get to 37, 36 k, and then I want to put the hammer down. I want to. Get, I think he said he wants to run four minute thirty k's up until the thirty-seven. Kilometer mark, and then he wants to put the hammer down. What? How would you break? How, <laughs> how would you? Well,
2: break if he if he pulls that off, that would be very impressive.
0: <laughs> you are exactly him so
2: much at that well, point.
0: That's, that's what I thought, but I didn't want to break his heart. But I don't know if he said he wants to run them all under five minutes to thirty-seven. But it was it was something where he wants to put the hammer down from thirty-seven k. What would I you reckon,
2: recommend, Shane? I reckon if he can put the hammer down at thirty-seven k, he should have gone faster in the first 37K. Wow. It's not, often like don't run a marathon like that. I would tend to uh, aim to have a steady pace the whole way. And then maybe for the last K, you can always find a little something extra. Right. But I would never in a marathon, very rarely would I drop a 310. I'd just do that in uh, eight by a K because you need to keep your speed up because then obviously the faster you are, the shorter stuff, it's easier to go longer, you know, at yeah. a slower pace. Um, and what would be
0: your pace in a marathon, Sinead?
2: So um, for when I broke the Australian record, it was 321 per K. Oh,
0: you're joking. I've had enough, Ken. He's making me queasy. <laughs> it's making me queasy. Ken. Well, <laughs>
1: right, you, you, you're, gonna, you're not going to go around a 321 uh, pace next year, but you're going to know exactly how the 42 or how the 37K mark feels when we're rolling through it at Berlin or in, in Tokyo. I'll drop the hammer down at 37K. <laughs> right. yeah, no. if, you, if, you, if you drop the hammer home, at the 37k mark, I will shout your airfares. Uh, Sinead, <laughs> let's talk about Sydney. Uh, a couple of yeah. weekends ago, uh, and you were brilliant as always, but a lot and the, first, and the main talking point to come out of it probably was the heat. Were you surprised? Like this time of the year in Australia, I know it gets a bit warmer, but geez, it was 27, 28 degrees and it did catch yeah. a couple of people out. How did you go?
2: Um, look, I, I was really surprised, but we knew for about a week out that it was going to be hot. Um, But I had actually done some heat training at the BIS. They've got a heat chamber there, not for heat adaptation, but for just for general fitness. So it was actually lucky that I had done that because I think it helped prepare me a bit um, for the heat on the day. Um, But I know that I found it quite tough though still. I mean, there's quite a lot of hills in Sydney. The course is pretty tough. And then the heat just added another dynamic on top of that. And I think I was just saying to Cam earlier, like the the people out there running four plus hours really got the the worst of it. You know, I was standing around after my race and it was like 28 degrees and it was just Mm. felt so hot, so hot. Um, But they were, the marathon event itself, like helped us out by in the second half of the course, they had people out there with ice bags. Um, So that was nice to be able to like get some ice and just kind of throw them like down your top and have some water to throw on your
1: head and that, which is good. Yeah, it's obviously the aim is to try and make it one of the, the majors around the world. And uh, from where we sat, where we watched Johnny, Steph, and I and, and the continual news coming out of it suggests it's on the right track, you run the biggest marathons in the world. How, how does it compare? Not necessarily mm-hmm. just the track as you touched on there, but the whole experience. Is it Does it fit in your mind as a major?
2: Yeah, I was so impressed, like especially on the day. I think um, leading in, like there was, a, I could see all the work they were putting into it, and I was a little nervous because it's very overwhelming. I could see everything that they had to do, but on the day, it was like just like any other major marathon that I've run. So I've run New York and London. Um wow. The uh, the amount of people out on the course is probably the the most I've ever noticed for sure. Um, and then the, coming into the finish. Without a doubt, that's the best finish for a marathon that I've ever seen. Like coming wow. down, been able to see the Harbour Bridge and then the Opera House. It's stunning. And you get like a nice downhill finish for finish. about a kilometre and a half. So you're like down, flying down. Down
0: Macquarie Street, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, no, worries. yeah, that's it's awesome. the most
2: spectacular finish ever. Yeah, it was cool. So they did a great job. And hopefully they get it over the line
1: in 2025. But based on the the year that you've had, were you wrapped with how well you performed in Sydney?
2: Yeah, honestly, I was really delighted. Like just given all the challenges and uh, all, it, on the day I had I wasn't feeling great either, so it's probably the hardest marathon I've ever raced. Um, it just just because of all the like with the injuries coming in and everything, um, so I'm really proud of how I how I raced it.
1: Now, Sinead, we we have a little thing on this show that we ask all of our guests if they've actually been on an Australian (laughs) national team with Johnny Steph. Because as time goes on, we're joined by these wonderful athletes and some of them are like 19, 20 years of age, and they're going to their first tournament, their first major championship. And Johnny Tips like, I remember when you and I were in the Australian team together. And so far, we haven't been able to find one. So, Johnny, did you and Sinead, were you, were, you, were you ever in an Australian team together?
0: 100%, 100%. Commonwealth Games 2014. Surely we're together. Surely we're, <laughs> we?
2: No. I, I went to my first com games uh twenty when was it? Last twenty twenty two? Last year. Oh
0: no. Yeah. Oh
2: no. <laughs> no. we've never been on a team together. Oh but like cause, <laughs> I came into the into running late and that, so yep. I, I'm kind of new to newish. I could have saw Sinead, I saw you around. I, you, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm losing no, 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 we no were, I definitely met you at one of the events, yeah. but you weren't there you go. at the time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. This right. is what, happen, what happened,
1: Sinead. One, I was fairly confident you hadn't been on an Australian team with Johnny. No. But secondly, because Johnny is so big in the athletics world, he's at all the major championships and it's all kind of blurred from when he's competing and doing his thing to now partying just being there as a partying social organiser. So I, I can understand where he, he sees you great athletes Ooh. and he automatically just gets a bit, Confused. I just, I
0: just, oh, should I? Oh, this is nothing against you, should I, Because I'm not saying <laughs> by only means you're you're representing any form of age or anything like that. I, I just I just felt like we had a bit of a bond, a bit of a connection. Here. <laughs> anyway, hey, oh, me, no,
2: we've met once.
1: I think. <laughs> the funniest when you, he's like 26 years old in Lyndon Hall, and he was certain they had been to a championship together. Uh, <laughs> what What does it look like for you now? Like I know that uh, for someone who runs every single day, I'm, I'm interested in what an off season or a mini break looks like for you. So uh, Sydney nearly a couple of weeks ago now, and of course a huge seven, eight, nine months as we head towards an Olympic games in Paris. What does it look like for you over the next couple of months?
2: Yeah, it's funny, like for marathon running, we don't really have an off season. You have like, uh, your build up to the race and then you have your recovery period afterwards, and then you're building up to another race. Um, I haven't picked out another marathon because my primary focus is being ready for Paris next year. Um, But I will race like some 10Ks, half marathons. I'll get back into usual training next week. Um, I haven't actually picked out any races yet. I just wanted to get through Sydney and unscathed and make sure I was able to get back to training as soon as possible. Um, But I'll definitely be, I reckon I'll target like a half marathon in January, February, maybe a couple of 10Ks before that. And maybe depending on how the other girls go on the marathon, like if I have to run another one, I will like early in the year.
1: So Um, so just on that right now, you, you, you are the person who is, who's number one slot, obviously in the three slots towards Paris, but if three girls go past you, it it drastically changes everything. So how much does that change and how much flexibility is in your training schedule? If you do have to run a marathon and a, and a fast marathon, if it needs to.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd have to choose like a fast flat course if I want to, if three girls go past me, but, um, it's just something that I would definitely do because the alternative is, is yeah. to not go. So of course I'd give it a shot, Um, but yeah. I would be ready for that. Like my training doesn't train, change drastically from when I'm training for a 10K half marathon to a marathon. Like my mileage goes up obviously, but I would be ready to like, I'd be fit enough to go after say, get a 10 week block in for a marathon and then and race again.
0: On Nick, should I name, what, what's, the, what's the best three fastest courses uh in the world in your eyes when it comes Mm. to a marathon
2: i would say after the weekend probably berlin yeah (laughs) Uh, i haven't i haven't ever raced berlin but i would love to it's just at a funny time of year that's usually a championship or something on around that time or just before it um valencia is what i did uh where i broke the record i love that course that was good flat and fast um, haven't actually done any other really fast ones. Maybe Nagoya in Japan is pretty good.
0: So typically, a fast course is a flat course.
2: Yeah, yeah. Is
0: a is a seaside course obviously. Uh, is, it, is it you want to be away from the elements? Is it in more inland um, flat course better than a? Yeah, I 100? mean,
2: it, if you can get somewhere with consistent weather, like Berlin seems to like turn yeah. it on every year. Yeah. I haven't ever heard of a year where it's been windy or. Like And sea level,
0: sea level, altitude, is it somewhere in the oh, middle?
2: Or... Definitely not altitude because you'll runs yep. lower there. Yeah, so yep. anything, yeah, sea level. Yep.
1: What did For you sure. make of the weekend? Are you surprised, of course, the world record and and the way that it was smashed, to be fair, by a relative novice to the actual game, to be fair, at least to the, the 42Ks? What do you make of it when you yeah. see... That are you stunned? Are you surprised? Are you excited? Are, like, how does it all work when you? I'm not sure if you actually watch the race and see it unfold, or it's I a did. result <laughs> on the back of it. So, what goes through your mind when you see that?
2: I my mind was blown. I never, if somebody had told me that a girl was going to run two eleven, I'd be like, you're absolutely crazy. Um So, I, yeah, it's phenomenal. Like, she's um, she came from an 800 meter mm-hmm. background actually, and I think I don't know if this is just her third marathon or yep. like she ran two fifteen at Berlin last year. <laughs> And her first marathon was 234. So I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe she might have been sick or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, 211.53. Uh, I think that's three
0: You've got a horrible poker face today. I'm <laughs> and... going to give you a tip. Your poker face is terrible. It's as bad as mine today. Oh, anyway.
1: <laughs> and and Muscle, negative split. You, you spoke about it before with. Consistent. She came home in the second twenty-one faster than she Cameron, went out. So she Cameron, she she, Cameron, she was like, Cameron,
0: motoring. Cameron, Cameron, if you can,
2: that, that's, you can negative, that's like, what she did. Negative split is like the best way to run a marathon because yeah. then it, you, you know. Drop the hammer down.
0: Drop the hammer down.
2: It's because if you're relatively comfortable at halfway and you can pick it up a bit, I mean. You know that's that's the best way to, to definitely to run a marathon. It's just very hard to execute a lot of the time, but I mean your best marathons you you never they're never your hardest. Like because you feel good and obviously you're running well. It's yeah, it's the other ones that are the really really tough ones.
1: Well, what is the like, toughest marathon you've run? What what is one that you like? Well, hang on a second, I'm in a little uh hurt locker here.
2: I I, I felt like Sydney was yep. my toughest one just mm-hmm. because I was a little not at a hundred percent fitness. And then it was hot and it was hilly. And I really, really had to dig deep for that one. Hey, a uh, lot of Melbournians
1: yeah. listen, of course, we go right across the SCN radio network, but a lot of Melbournians listen to this show and you, you mentioned the town a little earlier. Uh, do, do you have a favorite run or running route here in Melbourne? Like, is there somewhere you really like to, to get involved? Or do you change it up to keep boredom at bay?
2: Um, I usually run for my house, um, don't, give the, don't give the address. Don't give the address. No, but I run like all, I'm go around Albert Park Lake yep. all the time. I love love that around there and along the beach and down along the river and the Tan. Like we're spoilt in Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne for good running running routes. Uh, I rarely drive anywhere, but um, we are. We don't get. We don't have a lot of hills in Melbourne, though. So if I want a hilly course, I need to drive out to Fernie or something like that. And I definitely need to start doing that for Paris because the marathon's going to be hilly there. So I need to get get my hill training in
1: yeah, do you do you know do you know what the paris uh track is or what the what the marathon is you know exactly where it goes and um, at certain stages or is that not quite been disclosed
2: on certain yeah no they have they have released it and it's hilly i think in the middle section yep. I ha- i haven't actually looked at the route and where it goes and everything but it's definitely going to be a tough one it's I think around 400 meters elevation maybe okay so tell me something, uh, something mean, like why that.
0: wouldn't they just make the courses all flat and fast i mean is, is that a question uh, you, <laughs> you ever, you ever like, I, I know like, I don't, right i don't understand is it because they want a scenic route because of the olympic games or uh, i'm quite i'm quite i, I think, I'd like it, to is, think they'd want it fast
2: and i think they don't want uh i think they wanted to make it as interesting as possible for spectators for sure, sure. so definitely they like to get in all the sights and everything uh, for people watching at home and then i guess they it's not about times in the championships mm, yeah. it's about you know um placing and winning and it time never really enters into it because it's always hot as well uh, for an olympic marathon mm. or generally generally it is but um it probably is because of all getting in the good sights and that
1: I reckon. We we, we we both love our distance running here on this particular show, Johnny and I, and we, we talk a lot about tactics with the the middle distance stars and what Australia have got. When when it comes to running a marathon and a major championship in particular, is how much planning goes into how you're going to attack the race or how you're gonna look at it and, and or is it just on feel you know exactly what you need to do time wise and all the rest of it? Or do you have things ready to go in case, you know, someone tries to go early or it's a slower race? Um
2: generally um especially for championship ones you have to you have to go by feel because there are always the other challenges of heat um it's never about time it's always about um running in you want to place as high as you can um and you really have to make decisions on the day about if there is a if there is a break like do you go with it or do you need to maintain your pace so that you don't blow up so you, you just kind of mm yeah make decisions at the time like obviously you plan and prepare for it as much as possible like we will definitely do heat training before paris definitely do hill training before paris and get you know put yourself in the best position you can when you get to the start line but then from there you need to make decisions on the day once the marathon's done
1: it. and we'll let you go shortly shanae say on sydney marathon or maybe one that wasn't as tough as that but like do you, do you go to sleep at night and you'll sleep like 12 hours you sleep way more after a marathon than you would normally
2: um, not really. Generally the night after the marathon, I have a terrible sleep. Yep. Um, but, uh, you fall, not really. Okay. You, you sleep more, you're definitely more fatigued and everything, but then you're not running or training f- for the few days. Like yep. I take a complete break, you know, for four days or so. Um, uh, so no, I, well maybe some people do, but I wouldn't sleep anymore. Well, I can I'm tell you like right now, Johnny's going
1: to sleep for four days after Berlin. I can guarantee <laughs> you that. Any any last words, Johnny? Or questions for uh, our very special guest before we let her go? No, I, I think this has been
0: very interesting. I think for our listeners today, Cam, because we've got an absolute True. pro to actually finally break down what it takes to run a marathon. When the Mel, when with the Melbourne Marathon come up in two weeks, it's been fantastic having Sinead on the on the line. And I wish you all the best, Sinead. And I'm I'm sure Thank you. you uh, you uh, have a game plan to stun us all come Paris, and um, we will be there. Cam and oh, I uh, are awesome. planning something very special, oh, yes. along with our good friends at Chemist Warehouse. Yes. Um, so we're looking forward to giving you a special VIP pass mm-hmm. um, oh, to excellent. our uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So uh, yeah, very exciting times.
1: Actually, it actually works for Sinead, because I, I think the women's marathon is early in the in the athletics program, isn't it? No,
2: I think no, I think it's at the end. Oh, they haven't changed I think it, it, have be... they? The same day as the guys. Oh, they're doing it that normally way, are they? they? do. normally they do one at the start yeah. One at the finish, and they switch around yeah who's who's it is but i think for paris we're on the last day maybe. well a good thing we
0: know can that she's not tired after marathon no so, true you know, she can stay time. all night when we uh <laughs> when we roll in
1: the last lap uh as always shanae we love chatting to you and uh congratulations again on sydney it has been at times no doubt a frustrating year but it hasn't stopped you doing remarkable things so good luck going forward and no doubt we'll chat before paris yes indeed all right thanks guys quick break all, all, right, all right. thanks to chemist warehouse plenty more on the other side of this
2: into Chemist Warehouse for half-price vitamins and cosmetics. Season C apply, Chemist Warehouse.
1: This is the House of Aths. John Stephenson, Cam Luke, right around Australia, the SCN Radio Network. Hello to you. Do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. And head to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Now, we did talk to what happened over the course of the weekend in Berlin. Of course, Kipchoge won number five, but it was all about the women's. But then on the back mm. of it, Johnny Steph, again, as you have raised a couple of times on his show... The shoe, mm. the technology in the shoes and mm. the way that these athletes are able to continually put out fast times with certain shoes, and it's not just one brand, by the way, it's, it's a number of brands, has mm. again probably dominated the conversation in the last couple of days.
0: No, most definitely can, man. Look, I, 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 I completely agree with some of the uh, commentary that's out there as far as these shoes are definitely helping. Mm-hmm. There, there is absolutely no doubt in the world that um technology has has has, um has evolved and we're seeing these athletes perform performances increase and get better um what i'm sick and tired of hearing are these ex-athletes and these uh, ex-people experts in track and field coming out and saying that you know it's wrong and it shouldn't be part and it ruins the records of the past shut up (laughs) i mean The sport needs to grow. I mean, this is called evolution, people. You know, must I run on a cinder track because Jesse Owens ran on a cinder track? This is just the way the sport goes. We are talking about it, it's blistering fast. I've got more questions to how this girl's run three marathons and now she's running, you know, run a time which which most men cannot run. You know, I mean, I'm more intrigued by that, you know, on how, what coaching, how can can some of our Australian athletes uh, improve like the way she's improved? So, you know, but this commentary I'm hearing around that these shoes have no place in the sport. And this, I mean, it just, honestly, it's like saying, you know, that we can't play with synthetic balls in the rugby league anymore because we played a leather back in the day and the ball floats more when they throw a pass, which means there's more tries. It just, just to me, it just absolutely makes no sense when I hear this commentary, let these young athletes glow, let them have their time to shine. Let them, it's a great time in the sport. I'm loving watching it. I'm loving watching the performances. I think it's fantastic. You know, so what? Miguel Indurain ran on a on a on a on a aluminium steel frame bike. So we can't have carbon fibre bikes now in the Tour de France. It just makes absolutely no sense. And I'm fired up. I like because it because I'm 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 tired of it because I just think it's it's a great time in our sport. Let's focus on these fantastic performances. Our boy Iliad Kipchoge notched up, you know, his, his fifth victory, number five. Um, you know, he, he looked beautiful out there running, um, and it's great for these young kids. It inspires these young kids to go, to, you know, to, to their local shoe store and and try and be like Enosifa or try and be like Iliad Kipchoge, try and be like a home. So I just, I'm tired of these people coming out and saying this stuff. Just enjoy what you're seeing. And just go with it, guys. It's called evolution. Go with the flow.
1: The Adidas at zero, Adios Pro Evo one. That was the shoe that she wore. And everything that you said I agree with. And the best thing about it is, Johnny Steph, no one is getting an unfair advantage. Because these shoes are available. We seen it, of course, with Kip Chogi and the and the chasing two hours and the big thing around that, which is a huge promotional and very successful promotional marketing campaign by Nike when they were able to do the documentary. It's brilliant. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out. But I've got a pair of Kipchogis. I ain't, running well, two more. I ain't running two hours, do, trust me
0: I do but, think she'd have ran 2.10 if she was wearing Puma's cam But look, that's a whole <laughs> another segment, a whole other story And we will get our good man Fabio from Puma in the next coming weeks good. To really break down this technology I've spoken to him yesterday yes. He's on, he's keen We've just got to organise a time for him But look, it's great, right? Because what you're seeing now is this is this great shoe race, yeah? True And it's great because what it does It pours money back into the sport When you're talking your Nikes, your Pumas, your Adidas, your Konas You're on running It makes them sponsor of these athletes it brings more money into the sport because everybody wants to have that world record-breaking shoe and i think it's fantastic for the sport it's fantastic for these young kids it's fantastic for these athletes and that's why i get upset at the older generation i want to come in let these young kids shine let them have. and i'm not saying it doesn't provide performance and i'd like to question these ex-athletes if you were competing in this time would you say no 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 i don't want to wear these shoes <laughs> I'm going to wear my old Dunlop volleys because I want to do it the way my boy Rob D. Costello did it. Like You just wouldn't do it. You wouldn't say that. You'd put them on. So it just needs to stop. I think it's fantastic for the sport. I'm not saying it doesn't increase performance. Yes, it does. But we're in a beautiful area of our sport where we have got but- technology that's coming into the sport. It injects money. It injects uh, the commercial commodity goes up in our sport. It puts eyeballs on the sport and it gives those young kids hope that they can go to a shoe store, potentially if they can afford it, because those shoes are out of zeros are not cheap, um, potentially feel like they're like a Serfo or
1: feel like the Iliad Kipchoge. Hey, look, and the, the best thing about this is technology in all sports, every single sport, professionally in particular, technology has gone through the roof in the last We'll say 20, 25, 30 years, and therefore, there is go like everything. You know what? If you're a cricket fan, technology in cricket, we've got bigger bats, and the way we go, they're easier to hit sixes than what it used to be. And that's the world in which we live, where we need to find faster, longer, stronger, further, whatever sport it might have been. And this is this is a legal. This is legal, right? So we're not we're cool. not sitting here questioning. No, Everyone's got the opportunity to wear these Correct. shoes. It's not like cool. we're talking about what happened in the 70s, Johnny Steph, where well, we had IWF... eyebrows being raised every single week.
0: Well, the IWF or World Athletics, they, they did a somewhat inquiry um, with all the shoe companies and all the agents and, and all the powers that be there. And, and they they got around a round table and they decided and started putting – they started formalizing some regulations around these shoes. So it didn't get too crazy. My understanding is that these shoe companies now. Our good friend Fabio from Puma Global mm-hmm. will get on the phone and and tell us his thoughts and what they've done. Um, but my understanding is they put parameters around so it doesn't get crazy that no shoe company has an advantage over the other. What it does force is force these shoe companies put R and D, put money into the the world of running. True, and that's fantastic for our sport. I think it's I think it's awesome, right? And what that does is it then focuses the 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 the, the money gets funneled and channeled into the athlete and we need more money in our sport. This is what we complain about. The commercialism in our sport constantly globally. So I think it's, um, it's something which look, they might define it as, as we go on, like most rules and most things happen in, in any sport, we're looking at V8 supercars at the moment with homologation, when it comes to different regulations of cars and trying to get some form of parity when it comes across to the shoes. So no one has an advantage and I respect and understand that. But at the time we're in now, I think it's, it's an awesome time to watch and um, yeah, And it's amazing. It's all over Adidas. I don't like to promote my good friends at Adidas as well, but I don't like the, the, uh, I should say that the promotion that's gone around post-world record has been quite sensational by Adidas on what they're claiming, what they're showing, um, which is just again, awesome for our
1: sport. Good on them. Hey, quick break. We're going to wrap it all up. It is the house of Ass. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse.
2: into Chemist Warehouse for half price vitamins and cosmetics. Season C Supply, Chemist Warehouse.
1: This is the House of Aths. Johnny, Steph, Cam, Luke, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Now, Johnny, as you can see, my quick little hands before we get out of here. You've been asking me for a little while. The top four long jumpers no, ranked. No,
0: no, no one wants to hear it, Cam. I think, I want our listeners calling in.
1: Like, just saying, you know what? I'm glad because we're out of time. So I've got to go. <laughs> Sinead Diver, grab the podcast. It is up. See you, big boy. Love you, mate. See you,
0: brother.